0: Hey, how's it going, coaches? Thank you for tuning in to Keep Your Pads Down, the spot for all things defensive line play, and this is episode number forty-eight. Now, today is a big day for our podcast here because this week, Keep Your Pads Down, is one year old. I know, right? And to think, my high school biology teacher said I'd never amount to anything, but yeah this this thing has uh, has been rolling on for a year, and and I've had a blast doing it, and I, and I hope that. Those of you who tune in each week are enjoying what you're hearing and getting some value out of this podcast because, of course, that's the the ultimate goal. So uh, how are we celebrating? Well, we're holding off for a couple weeks because if you do the math, this is episode 48, so we are two weeks away from our 50th episode, which is another big milestone for sure. So we're going to combine those two events into one celebration with a very special show for episode number 50 because for the first time ever... On KYPD, a podcast devoted to you defensive line guys, mind you. For the first time ever, we are bringing on an offensive line coach as our guest. I know, I know. We are really breaking down some barriers and reaching across the line of scrimmage to embrace, uh, well, maybe not embrace, but fist bump those guys across the ball from us. And, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to it for sure. Uh, so more on that later. If you don't follow the show on Twitter already, Make sure you do so. You can find us on Twitter at kypd podcast because we'll be posting more about that episode and and a lot of just great stuff as well. So be sure to give us a follow. Okay, so if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you you are familiar with this next segment. It's one that we did back in the fall and we haven't done it in a while. We haven't done it since, but we're going to get back to it today. Today we're going to revive a segment that I like to call "Upon Further Review," where I take a minute or two to dive into an issue concerning us football coaches. And, you know, it's been, like I said, it's been a while since we've done this, so I thought today was a good day to bring it back. Now, if you, if you remember previously in this segment, we've discussed things like what coaches should, really more importantly, what they should not wear on the sidelines, and the importance of quality press box food on Friday nights along with some other really hot-button issues that matter the most to you guys listening. And of course, I am being a little bit sarcastic there. But anyway, for today's segment of Upon Further Review, I thought we would focus on clinic season since this is the time of year when many of us are headed out to coaching clinics to sharpen ourselves up and reconnect with our coaching buddies. I thought today we would tackle a topic concerning clinics and specifically we're going to be talking about the presentations presentations themselves particularly the names of those presentations now when you're looking at a list of speakers that you're going to go check out and you see the names of their presentations a lot of times they have really cool and impressive Presentation names, and it's along with the coach giving the presentation. It's the presentation name that usually is like, "All right, yeah, I'm gonna go check that out," or mm, "No, I'm gonna sit this one out." Uh, for instance, here's some here's uh, are some some cool presentation names that I've come across: Thunder Four Two Five and Three Four defensive adjustments and alignments. Okay, all right, all right, I could check that one out. Uh, or how about this one: Situational football through the eyes of the quarterback. All right, you know, that's not my side of the ball, but I could I could see where that would be interesting. Now this is the my, my, my favorite one that I that I came across and I actually was at this clinic and I actually sat in on this presentation. This was the best clinic presentation name of the year and probably maybe of all time. Uh, this one was South Oak Cliff's death row defense. I mean, if that didn't get butts in the seats, I, I don't know what will. So anyway, I got to thinking, you know, what would be some examples of clinic presentations with horrible titles, that would definitely be a hard pass for me. So I thought about it, sat down, and came up with a list of a few football coaching clinic presentations that I would absolutely want no part of. All right, so here we go. All right, number one, the finer points of deep snapping. <laughs> no thanks. Unless you're going to show a lot of clips of the snapper blasting the punt returner or or maybe sailing balls over the punter's head and watching the punter run around frantically. That's going to be a no for me. Uh, The finer points of deep snapping, no thanks. Next one. Well, you know, and this one, okay, offensive guys, this this next one definitely might be your cup of tea. Uh, For some of you, this would be right up your alley. In fact, you would probably be able to lead this presentation. But the next clinic title that would be a definite no for me would be Making cute and creative sideline billboards for your up-tempo offense. Okay, le- legitimate question here. What, what do those things mean? Like, what play are you trying to call with a picture of DJ Khaled, the great white shark, Papa Smurf, and, and the poop emoji? Someone please tell me. Anyway, if you know the answer to that question, then this presentation would be for you. But for me, I'm just going to go cruise the exhibit hall for free stuff. All right now this next one I'm pretty sure I've seen this clinic title like like for real and if I haven't I know I've coached against some some coaches who have attended this clinic offensive line coaches because our next horrible clinic title is just hold them because they won't call it anyway you know and and, and here's why I wouldn't want to go I, I wouldn't want to go to that clinic and I, that clinic talk and I definitely wouldn't need to go to it because all the film clips will be from our game tape of our guys getting held. So, I've already seen it. So count me out on how to hold like a pro presentation. That's a no for me. Another one, another bad presentation title: "Building a Winning Culture: The Cleveland Browns Way." Okay, yeah, I know that's that's kind of low hanging fruit. I mean, you know, Cleveland Browns—they're easy to pick on. Uh, kind of the uh, you know the the proverbial punching bag. But you know. Someone who would be talking about that presentation on his next show, Colin Cowherd, because that dude lives to bash Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. So you know that's why that could possibly generate some attention because of that. All right, last one, last of our list of horrible clinic presentation titles is "Fitting Up the Run Out of the Radar Defense." I, I, actually, you know what? I I think I want to check that one out because. That could that could be really interesting. Radar defense for those of you who may be unfamiliar is where you know your whole D line and really all of your front seven, all, all those guys are up in a two point stance and they're they're sort of roaming around the, the line of scrimmage and stemming around before the ball snaps. It, it basically looks like I don't know, like if like if Brett Bielma were on Dancing with the Stars and trying to do the tango or the Charleston or whatever those things are called, you know, something like that. That's that's kind of what it looks like. Anyway, but but you know what? After thinking about it. That that may actually be a clinic that I, a clinic talk that I would want to uh, attend. And in fact, please email me that presentation because that would definitely be worth the price of the clinic right there. So there you go. That's a list of horrible clinic titles. That will do it for our latest edition of Upon Further Review. If you have a horrible clinic presentation title, then again, follow our show on Twitter because I'll be posting this question this week. I know we'd all love to hear your horrible clinic talk titles, so get those ready. Follow us on Twitter and share that with us this week. All right, now enough of all that. Let's get to the important stuff, and that's today's guest. I said last week that this episode would be a particularly special one because of who our guest is, and today I'm excited to welcome on Lucas Walker to our podcast today. Lucas currently is the starting middle linebacker for the XFL's Tampa Bay Vipers, but during the 2019 football season, he coached our outside linebackers here and also coached uh, middle school football for us uh, before being drafted by the vipers in october and he actually had to leave us during the playoff run this year and head to tampa for training camp but was able to make it back uh, right before our state championship game and be on the sidelines for the game which was awesome that he was able to do that and and you know just sharing that moment with all of us because he definitely had a huge impact on our team this year it was a huge factor in our success so uh, anyway Waka is actually from Canada, and, and attended Pleasant Grove High School before getting a scholarship to play at Wyoming where he was a team captain and finished his career with 344 tackles which is seventh all-time in Wyoming history after he finished up with Wyoming uh, Waka signed a free agent deal with the Cowboys spending a training camp with them before getting released and from there he spent a year and a half playing ball in Canada for the Hamilton Tiger Cats in addition to being a great ball player, Waka is a great young coach and a really just an awesome guy all around, and I'm excited for you to get to hear him today. We talk about all the stops he's made during his football career, what life is like in the XFL, and things he's learned after one year of coaching football here at Pleasant Grove. So here we go. I hope you enjoy today's episode, episode number 48, with my man, Lucas Waka on KYPD. what's up, man? It's good to be able to uh, talk to you again. I told you, you know, if you got drafted and and made it through training camp and and all that, then we'd get you on here. So here we are, man. It's good to uh, get to talk to you again.
1: You know, it's good to finally be able to uh, make it to uh, keep your pads down and uh, be able to be on the show.
0: Hey man, it's pretty elite company you're joining. I mean, you are the third guy on our staff to to make it on here. You know, you're, you're behind Darby and, and and Fuller, so you know, hopefully that doesn't hurt your confidence too much and throw you off. But you know, hey, you did make the cut. There's some other guys in that office that that aren't going to make the cut, so you at least have that going for you.
1: I appreciate it, you know, Darby. <laughs> I mean, the reason I am where I am today is because it's probably that guy. So. Uh, I appreciate that for
0: sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about him some more. We were we were talking about you this morning. So, uh, but let's let's jump right into this thing, man. So you are, um, you know, you're you're playing for the Vipers right now, starting middle linebacker for those guys. But let's back up a little bit. You know, you're from Texarkana. You went to Pleasant Grove High School. Uh, So start off by telling us just a little bit about your journey through the game of football uh, up to this point.
1: Yeah, so like you said, I went to Pleasant Grove, uh, where, where you now coach, which is, which is awesome, but uh, went, to, went to Pleasant Grove, played linebacker there, uh, got the all-district stuff, ended up uh, getting the offer, the only offer to Wyoming uh, to play football, but then actually like a week before signing day, uh, they ended up taking it out or taking it back, so I didn't really know what I was going to do, I thought I was going to go play baseball, but uh, about three or four days later uh, they knocked on my front door and they showed up at my door and actually gave it back so I kind of was like I uh, don't really want to go uh, go back to the team you know that didn't really want want you anymore but I uh, ended up taking a visit there got a connection ended up playing there and uh, redshirted the first year uh, came in spring ball uh, fourth on depth chart uh, you know type those things and uh, they they had some injuries in front of me, so I got a chance in the uh, in the springtime. Uh, ended up taking advantage of it. Ended up starting after that my freshman year. New coaches came in. Ended up doing the, doing the same thing, getting knocked back down to third string in spring ball. Ended up fighting my way back uh, to start and ended up being a two-time captain there at Wyoming, my junior and senior year. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, after after college, ended up going to getting a chance to go to Dallas Cowboys uh, for a free agent deal. Uh, played there uh, for a little bit, very short time. Uh, was in camp. Some guys got hurt after a preseason game, Some corners, so they had to bring in some more corners. So ended up going. Uh, ended up getting cut from there. Uh, actually, Jason Garrett. <laughs> I know Justin loves this story, but Jason, <laughs> Gary, Jason Gary ended up telling me that I have a good family at the house, so I know I'll be all right. That story's for Gibson, but uh, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and Justin, so, by the way, for you guys listen that's our offensive coordinator. You know, like most, most coaching staffs in America – we rag on each other pretty hard, and, and Walker, you know, one time told us that story about getting cut by the Cowboys, and our offensive coordinator Justin Gibson never lets anything go, and 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 rides still rides Walker pretty hard about that. So that's that's what that reference is. And uh, so anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead.
1: No, no, you're good. And uh, so after that, after I got cut from the Cowboys, kind of sitting at the home or a house waiting. Uh, this was about October. Then Canada actually called, which was. Awesome. Never thought I would ever ever go play football in Canada, but they ended up calling, and played there for a year and a half. I went back to play there in 2019 in May because the Canadian season's from May to November, so I went back for training camp. Uh, ended up getting hurt, tore my quad. Ended up getting hurt and released. Uh, so then, so that was the end of my playing days before the Vipers called. But also before I got the call or was able to talk to Coach Gibson about joining the staff and uh, uh, letting him know, you know, all about the, the stuff about coming to play for the Vipers and all that stuff. But before that stuff, uh, Gibson was able to help me, the head coach at Pleasant Grove was able to help me get a job at the school and uh, he gave me a chance to, you know, because that's eventually what I want to do after I get done. Playing football as a uh, coach, so it was it was awesome.
0: Okay, so you go from you know playing football and and, and you're you're you kind of you know latched on in Canada playing a, a year and a half, and then you get cut and you're kind of like left, you know, really not knowing what's going on. So this was back last summer. You know, you get on at Pleasant Grove, you jump on there at Pleasant Grove, and, and you get to you get to Pleasant Grove and uh, tell everybody what your what your job uh, for us was this past season.
1: Yeah, so I'll get on at Pleasant Grove, and I didn't really know what uh, coach was going to let me do. Didn't know if he was going to uh, let me coach the big dogs, you know, like like all y'all do and uh, stuff like that. So uh, he let me uh, – he ended up giving me the job, uh, sixth grade P – or middle school P.E., so did all that. And then he ended up letting me coach the outside backers for the varsity. So that was an awesome uh, feeling to be able to coach something that I know or that I'm familiar with. So uh, – It was awesome that he he was able to let me do that.
0: Yeah. So you are, uh, and the whole time we know that that this this possibility of you making it to the XFL, you know, that's a possibility. And the the thing was that if you got drafted, we knew that you would miss. You know, if we were still in the playoffs, you'd miss uh, a few of those weeks there, but you would be able to make it back in time for the state championship game. So. I'll post the video on our Twitter, on the show's Twitter page, coaches, if you haven't seen it already, but there was a pretty awesome video of, of, of Lucas actually getting drafted while we were on the practice field. Uh, wasn't it on like a Tuesday, Waka, and we were out at practice, and your phone was like at 3%? Well, I, you, you tell us about that. Tell <laughs> yeah. us about that day where you got drafted uh, while we were out at football yes. practice.
1: So, I mean, the days before, we were all leading up good, and we were all kind of you know, joking, like, where we're going to be at. And- Found out the draft was in the afternoon, right in the middle of practice. So that kind of was like, "Oh gosh, you know, it's going to be one of those things." And uh, yeah, we get out there. I have the draft on on my phone, and uh, we ended up having a break in between practice, between offense and defense. And I, I look at it, and I have about four percent. I'm like, "Oh gosh, hopefully, hopefully I get drafted pretty soon." Or <laughs> you know, I'm not going to know. All these guys are going to call me, and the phone's going to be off, and yeah. it's going to be weird, you know. So. Uh, ended up uh, looking at my phone and Tampa Bay was up, and I had a feeling they were gonna they were gonna uh, draft me because I've talked to Jerry, which is the DC here at uh, XFL, Jerry Glanville, which is that, uh XFL uh, defensive coordinator, and uh, I ended up seeing that the the Tampa Bay Vipers draft Lucas Walker. So it was, it was, I was like, whoa, what 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 just happened? I was thinking they were gonna call me first, you know, before before they actually made the announcement but they made the announcement and then uh I was like coach Morris I think I think they just drafted me and I showed him and then we all called everybody up and got on the phone with one of the coaches and uh they ended up telling me that I was drafted and you know the rest was awesome you know it was awesome to be there with those guys that I've created relationships with all the coaches that i uh you know that we've all created relationships together and uh it was awesome to be there.
0: Yeah, I remember that being. Uh, that's that's one of those things I'll, I'll always remember because I mean, how how often do one of your the guys you're coaching with get drafted uh, in a professional football? So uh, you go from because uh, I think we were we were still in the regular season at that point, getting ready to, to start the playoffs, and you were there for a few few rounds of the playoffs. But you go from basically you know punking seventh graders in knockout and seventh grade PE to now being, <laughs> being in training camp with all of these guys in this brand new league uh, and, and, and just trying to find your way. And not, I'm sure you had no idea what to expect. And so now that you've, you've, you've been in uh, the XFL for a while, you know you guys went to training camp in December, had a break for Christmas, and then went back in, in January to get ready to get started. So now that you're playing the XFL, XFL what's, what's been the biggest difference in this league and the others you've played in, being the NFL in Canada?
1: Yeah, you know, the NFL, they have the, you know, the big name stuff and uh, all that kind of stuff. So uh, the NFL, I'd say, is definitely probably the fastest. I mean, it's the best league that you can play in if you want to play football. So it definitely probably has the fastest guys. And, I mean, not necessarily the biggest guys, but definitely the probably the most skilled guys uh, at those positions. I mean, those are the best football players in the world, I would say, definitely uh, in the NFL. Canada uh, was definitely a fast-paced uh, fast-paced league. I mean, you got receivers that can run forward off the line. The field's huge. So, I mean, you got you got different uh, things in all different leagues, but I was, the XFL is no slouch. I mean, there's great, great competitors in this league. There's great players, I believe, in this league. Uh, as you, I mean, you and whoever has watched the league, I mean, there's some, there's some great players that you're watching out there. So it's, you know, it's cool uh, to be able to play in a league like that. But I think they all have differences in it like i mean obviously the xfl has a bunch of rule difference or changes that the nfl and canadian doesn't have but uh as far as the players and stuff i'd say that it's definitely a competitive league and uh i would say probably about 95 percent of the league has had some kind of nfl experience so i mean that's pretty cool to be part of a league that has that so
0: what's it up to this point again we're early on in the season there but does it does this have the feel of a uh um you know like this is a legitimate league that can hang around for a while or does it seem a little a little sketchy at times or how you know what's 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 that like
1: no for sure i mean i didn't know what to expect when i came in so it was it was one of those things that like uh is this league gonna fold or is it gonna but everything up until like everything that i've seen so far has been amazing uh they have breakfast for us lunch for us we have to provide our dinner but during training camp obviously everything was provided uh, they're providing housing for us. When we go on away trips, everything's chartered, so you don't have to wait for anything. You have your own rows and own seats in the plane, so it's, it's one of those things. You know, everything is every. You have your own facilities. Everything is on your, like you got your own stuff. So it's they're running it very well, and it's definitely been amazing. It's been way better than I thought it could could ever be. So I think the league will be around for a while, and uh, I mean. As the fans that's been at the games, I mean, there's been 25,000 at all the games. So it's, I mean, the fans are showing up. So that's what's going to keep the league going. And uh, I think it's been great so far for sure.
0: Was there a moment when you got there, uh, when you get to training camp and, you know, up to that point, when you got to training camp, you weren't uh, too far removed from, uh, pounding a chicken fried steak with a side of tater tots and French fries on a scouting trip that we all went on, uh, in, in August, you know, it was just a few months later. And so now here you are in this professional football league with these guys. Was there ever kind of a little bit of anxiety or man, I don't know if I could still do this or any of that kind of feeling as you, when you, when you first got into training camp,
1: you know, for sure. I mean, there's guys that like are rocked up, you know, big, big dudes, that, uh, you know, you didn't really know, but I think training with Darby, it definitely helped me a lot. But, uh, I would say, I would say those chicken fried steaks probably weren't the best choices (laughs) choices at the time that I had, but, uh, I've definitely started to eat a lot cleaner when I got here and my body's starting to change a little bit. So it's, it's definitely nice uh, being able to do those things. But I definitely still have my snacks every once in a while.
0: Oh, for sure, man. Hey, they, <laughs> no one can fault you for that. Hey, so <laughs> y- you mentioned Darby and, and, and you guys. And, and for those of y'all who don't know, Jonathan Darby is our, our, our DB's coach. He was actually – he's been a guest on this on this podcast before. W- when y'all were still a couple months out from, from training camp starting, you and, you and him started uh, working out together, you know, after practice and doing different things, he started putting you through some workouts. Talk about that because again, you know, a lot of people might think, "Oh, you probably have this this you know personal trainer, or you go into this facility to to get to to get prepared for you know the XFL." But no, you had you had Darby. So talk to us about that and what you guys did.
1: Well, I think you started it with the Friday workouts, uh, with the arm workouts, and Darby I think came in there one day and he was. Kind of felt guilty that he wasn't gonna work <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so the next week, uh, you know, he started showing up once in a while, and I was like, "Hey, I know you know some DB stuff. Uh, you know, I need to get my feet a little bit better too. So, do you mind? Do you mind working me out a little bit?" And he was like. Sure. You know, so we ended up working out and I was like, hey, do you want to go get a workout in? He ended up working out and he's continuing to work out and he's seeing that how his body's changing oh, all the time. Too. Dude, and so he, he's starting to love it. And, uh, you know, I'm still talking to him now when I'm here. And I'm asking what he's doing. It. He said he's doing as much as he can. So I don't know what that means. But I'm telling you,
0: the, the dude is getting jacked. I mean, not not to, <laughs> to make you nervous, but just you better stay healthy because otherwise he's going to slide right in there behind take, take you. My job. Yeah, yeah, man, because he's looking rocked up. Definitely not like a. Uh, like a DB's coach, I mean, he's 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 getting rocked up for sure. Okay, well let's let's get back, we'll get back on track here. So, what's been the biggest challenge for you as far as just transitioning back into playing football again? Because you know, working out's one thing, but getting back in a in a football shape and, and hitting people and, and getting hit. What you know, what was the what was been the biggest challenge for you as far as that goes?
1: I feel like the mental stage has always been there, and that's never really. Filled me very much with that stuff, so I've, I feel like I've always been an instinctive player and been able to run around and do that stuff. And my eyes have always been good and kind of studied film to know kind of what was happening. But physically, uh, my body got a, in college. I was only probably about two twenty 220 to two twenty five, so my body uh, ended up gaining weight. So I'm about two thirty five right now. So I think that's actually helped me more than it's hurt me. So I'm able to. I feel like I'm able to still to run around and. Uh, not get tired as much and uh, still make plays but definitely what you were saying about hitting people I haven't tackled anybody in a year and a half so uh, I was definitely definitely tough on my tough on my body for the first time after this last game uh, again or after a couple weeks ago when we played in New York and uh, the next day I woke up and I was it was that feeling that you you miss, but you don't miss when it's finally there, I guess, kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're kind of like, oh, I missed that feeling of that day after football, soreness, you know, and then when it's actually there, you're like, did I really miss that? Like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, you did, but uh, you knows it, it was good. Uh, definitely the older I've gotten, fit, like, older I've gotten, definitely feel more uh, mentally I feel better, but physically you, you do kind of feel a little bit different like soreness and stuff stays lingering a little bit longer but yeah i uh, definitely feel p- really good right now so probably the best i've felt in a long time
0: uh what's a typical game week look like for you
1: yeah so say, say we put or say we played yesterday we next day would be off then uh then you would have so the day off i usually come and get treatment i try to get a little lift in more like band stuff and try to you know try to get your arms moving, lactic acid moving around, hit a couple striders, uh, things like that. And then the following day I usually wake up or throughout the week, I usually wake up around six and get to the facility around six forty-five. get some treatment or eat first and then get some treatment, uh, lift on, uh, every other day. So day zero and day two, I'd end up lifting, uh, but days. so we start with day zero, which is the day after our off day and we have walkthrough through day and we Review the last game, then or make corrections of the last game, then get on to the next week. Uh, Day one, uh, you kind of still kind of sore, so you get more of your heavy lift day, kind of stuff, and uh, get that out of the way for the week. And uh, you know, then you come in, uh, you watch film of the of practice the day before, uh, get start watching some film. Of the team you're playing that week, and then you go out to practice for a couple hours, and then you uh, go eat. Some guys watch film after that, or you can go home and do whatever you want, treatment stuff like that. Day three, or no, day two, you come in. That's our most physical day. Uh, full pads, you know, hitting, thudding up, but not, obviously nothing tackling right now or any of that stuff uh, in the middle of season, but. Uh, most physical day, yeah. usually after practice that day, I usually, if I didn't if I didn't feel like I got enough running in during that day, I try to go hit a metabolic workout, you know, something like uh, rows, bike, uh, med ball slams, some ropes, stuff like that to try to get your um, heart rate up and try to get, you know, uh, get ready for the game that's about to be here in a couple of days. Uh, day three is more of like a, a sprint through day a uh, quick whistle you're still moving full speed but it's just a quick whistle so no re- really running to the ball uh, not a lot of hitting then uh the next day would be the day before the game so travel day or go to your stadium or not go to your stadium go home um get ready for the game the next day then game day and uh eat get ready uh get up there about three hours before the game and uh, hopefully, go out and win.
0: Uh, are are practices more physical than they were, like in the NFL in Canada? Or are they about the same? How how does that work?
1: Yeah, so practices in Canada in the preseason you could you could wear pads, but during the season in Canada you couldn't wear pads during oh, okay. during the season in practice. So definitely more physical than that. But in in the NFL, uh, in training camp, in the NFL is definitely physical with Dallas. Uh, we were full pads every day, but in the XFL we were full pads every day during training camp. So it's about the same as same as it was in the NFL for sure.
0: You mentioned earlier the rules and, and some of the different rules that that the XFL has rolled out, and and they've gotten a lot of attention. You know, with the kickoff and uh, the extra points and and the the last two minutes of each half, and you know only having two timeouts and all those things. How do you feel about the new rules that that the league has rolled out for this season?
1: You know, I like them. Uh, last or a couple of weeks ago was my first uh, time actually being on uh, the kickoff and kickoff return. So it was, it was pretty unique. You know, it was, uh, it was one of those things that uh, the guy's so close to you. So it kind of feels weird uh, when when it goes and it kind of feels weird when you hear the ball kick. You know, you're thinking of running full sprint, you know, and. Uh, you kind of just have to wait and wait and wait until the hands go down and then you can release, and the guy's right in front of you, so you don't know whether there's a bull or make a move. kind of depends where the kick is, I guess. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's definitely unique, and uh, I think it's ad- added a lot to the the game, and they want to add more to the offensive game. So it, it creates a scenario where you, you want to kick it to the return and let them return because, I mean, if you don't, Ball goes out to the 45-yard line on the other side, so it, yeah. it kind of makes it uh, makes it challenging. You definitely want to kick it to the returner and create an offensive play. That's eventually what they want.
0: Are your uh, your your special teams coordinator, or whoever's doing your special teams, do they? Because I just uh, as I was watching, I was like, man, that's that would be really easy. It seems like it's really easy for the returner to pop one. So do they do they start having guys like, hey, we're going to kick it you know to the returner kick it right and then have some other guys fold over or or, or safeties like do you move guys around like that
1: yeah for sure you definitely have i mean it's kind of the same scenario type thing but you definitely have a lot of uh you definitely have a safety in there that will stay back the kicker you see it with a lot of teams they'll kick it and they'll sprint down to the uh to their side you know so because they're so far away they're used to like jogging down you know right, so they right. sprint down the uh kickers will and they'll be like off to the side away from the other safety and then you have guys that that's what i was saying you kind of you really have to hold your hold your gap you can't really make a move on the guy because if you get out of lane then there's a chance that they're gonna pop it you yeah know? so it's yeah. like one of those things that you have to two gap everything
0: right yeah for sure and I, I like the – I don't know, I, I'd be interested in how, as a defensive player, how you feel about some of the rules, again, that, that are designed to kind of help the offense out a little bit. But I do like the rule, the the, the final two minutes uh, of the of each half where, you know, the clock stops even if you're in the middle of the field, but there's a five-second runoff. Uh, because I think in this, this last Saturday's game or when you guys were playing Seattle, that actually played in y'all's favor because you got the ball back – Um, when normally uh, in an NFL game or regular football game, uh, they would have just been able to kneel a clock out, run it out, and you guys wouldn't have been able to do anything with it. But at least it kept, you know, for me personally as a fan watching the game, instead of turning it off with a minute and a half left, I'm watching until the very last second because you guys were able to get the ball back and move it down the field a little bit. And so I thought that was pretty cool. So how do you feel as a defensive player uh, with with some of the rules kind of slanted towards the offense?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess it depends – where you're at in the game in that situation we were losing so if it was really good for us and we only had one timeout with a minute and a half left you know and we ended up getting the ball back with 40 seconds so it's like it was pretty it was pretty unique you know we drove down we had a chance to score and win the game so uh it was one of those things that uh that you like but when you're on the other side of it you're like i don't i don't know if i like this very much yeah you know they, they have a chance they have a chance to go score on any play even you know run i mean you can run the ball right and it exactly. Still stops exactly it's like so it's it's one of those things that it's definitely unique but uh it definitely gives a the offense definitely the advantage i think i think they said that you can't you can't kneel out the game unless like it's like 50 something second 50 52 seconds or something like that yeah that you can nil out the game right rather than two minutes or whatever Right.
0: yeah exactly well, let's talk about y'all's uh, your your defense, and and before we jump into that, let's talk about your defensive coordinator. You know, I remember when you told me back uh, in the season once you got drafted that, that the the Vipers' defense coordinator was Jerry Glanville, and I was like, man, is that the same guy? that, like, coached for the Oilers when I was a kid. You know, when I was rocking my my Houston Oilers starter jacket, like, back in the day, like, the dude that coached for the Falcons that drafted Brett Favre, like, the guy that left tickets for Elvis, like, that dude's still coaching? Like, I didn't even know he was still alive, much less still coaching. <laughs> and and then you yeah. look at him, you see him on the sideline, and he doesn't look that old. I mean, you think he would be just completely – you know, out of it and and just kind of, you know, at the nursing home playing shuffleboard at this point. But he's out there coaching you up. So talk about him and what it's like playing for him. You've played for him before in Canada. Uh, just talk about what that's like playing for him.
1: Yeah, like you said, I mean, uh, he's a legendary coach. He's He's been around the league. He's been all through college, everywhere. Uh, I was talking to him the other day uh, about about coaching and stuff like that. And he goes, you know, you know who defended the first hail mary? He said he goes when I was with the. Uh, I think he, I think he was with the Falcons at the time. He said that he defended the first hail mary, that was ever in NFL football. Well, that so was that was against like, the Cowboys, what? wasn't it? What was that against the Cowboys? I think I th- I can't remember who he said it was against, but he said that he he was part of the team when it, def- like he defended the first hail mary, and it was like. <laughs> what you like yeah. how long ago yeah. was that you know yeah. it's like one of those things that like holy smokes but you would never know like his mind is so sharp that like you would never know like how old he is or anything like that he's he's taught me more than i could freaking know about football like i mean he he knows that i coached before this so he always tries to uh help me out with that aspect he's always telling me like hey when you go back to school like you know bring these things with if you see this and this and and the formations uh tell them because they're doing this and this and i'm like all right coach you know (laughs) yeah but uh no he's he's awesome he's very uh energetic uh never never gets upset really about anything he always wants you to play fast and uh never makes anything too hard and what what it should be and uh, it's been a blessing to be able to play for him. He's an awesome guy. And, uh, couldn't say enough about him.
0: So I would imagine if you're able to stay in the game that long, that you do have to keep a pretty even kill Because if he burned pretty hot, you know he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna wear himself out, and, and wouldn't be in the game this long. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. He's communicating the call in the game. He's communi- communicating the call with you, right, in, in the speaker in your helmet. Yep.
1: Yeah, headset, yeah, Yeah, and the headset yeah.
0: in your helmet. So talk about that because I've always wondered what that would be like and, and how that works. And so just walk us through that, like him giving you the call, you getting the call on your helmet. Uh, is it like the NFL where they they can only have a, a certain time frame to do that? How do you communicate the call with the guys on the defense? Just talk about all that.
1: No, it's one of those things that you wish they kind of had a time limit uh, because they can talk to you throughout the whole play. Oh, wow. So it's kind of like <laughs> – yeah, so it's kind of like – uh, but sometimes it's good, you know, cause they see stuff up in the box that they can relay down and they're like, Hey, you know, do, do this. Like, Hey, check this real quick or whatever. Yeah. So it's uh one of those things you definitely have to be all on your toe, but toes, but he'll, he'll give me a call. Uh, you know, so just a base call. It'll say like over oh, cover one or whatever. And uh, I'll get the defense lined up, echo the call and get them all lined up. And then he'll let me know if he needs anything else. Any checks or anything that out, but usually the checks are obviously before the game and meetings and all that stuff. So I kind of have an idea of what we're gonna be, what we're gonna be doing that day.
0: So is it just Coach Glanville that's on that's that's talking to you in your headset?
1: Yeah, it's just Glanville. Okay. Uh, yeah, he he gets the personnel from other coaches, and then he they have a couple different buttons that they have to press to talk to yeah. certain people.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so does that make you play a little, you know, hesitant sometimes when he's saying stuff in your ear? Or, oh, hey, check, 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 check this, or, or watch the back, watch the back. You know, does that make you
1: play a little hesitant sometimes? Yeah. But I, can't, I can't even imagine some other coaches because he's he's pretty, you know, like uh, pretty, not quiet, but he's more like down-to-earth kind of coach. But I can't yeah. even imagine like a guy that has that, that can do that the whole play that would be like, you know, like a – freaking robot or whatever just yeah you'd feel pretty slow out there so he, he's done a great job with not really saying much unless it's like something that really needs to be yeah. really needs to be out you know like, yeah hey make sure the d-line is doing this you know kind of thing like they don't look like they're lined up right or stuff like that so yeah it's yeah. not it's not mostly like or it's not anything like hey feel feel right here you know Right, uh, right, hey, right. watch like in the middle of the play. Watch this guy or something. Yeah, like that. So, yeah. I got you. Uh, he, he he lets you play pretty hard, and uh, he just wants you to run around and hit people. Basically,
0: talk about your defense. Talk about your front and your coverage that you guys are basing out of. I know that that from just what I've, I've heard from talking with you, and and also just watching some games that Glanville's big on. Uh, Coach Glanville's big on his corners and having big yeah. big athletic corners. Uh, just talk us, you know, walk us through your defense and, and what you guys are are, uh, are lining up in and how you guys are playing that.
1: Yeah, we run a 4-2-5 defense. So, uh, four down linemen, two linebackers, and then you have two corners, uh, three safeties, which one of is a nickel safety and a free safety and a strong safety. So, uh, they move everywhere. So, the defense is, uh, the best way I can describe the defense is a zone that probably turns man kind of defense so it's a it's pretty unique so I, I would, i'll I give you an example so if we if we run a cover one uh defense it's not like a typical cover one where i got where you have your free safety that's you know deep in the middle of the field that's just uh protecting everything you know so it's, it's one of these things say let's, let's say we have a two by two set and uh it's 11 personnel so there's a tight end a receiver and on the other side there's a receiver a slot and then an outside receiver so the corner's Corners would have the outside guys. Then uh, you would have, what makes this unique is the nickel safety and the wheel would have the tight end, but the wheel would be inside leverage and the nickel safety would be outside leverage. So the wheel would have any in breaking. So a dig, a post, an under, uh, nickel safety would have corner, an out, anything out breaking. So let's say the tight end runs under real quick the nickel safety then turns he sees that right now so he then turns the number one receiver and creates a double on him okay so it's kind of it's kind of defense that it's creating a bunch of uh double teams really it's uh it's like a man under a yeah. zone kind of thing that it's creating a bunch of uh of man so the on the other side would be on the slot receiver would be the strong safety and the free safety you're playing the same thing the wheel and the nickel safety would be And so it's pretty unique. So say they went three by one, the Mac and the nickel safety or the middle linebacker and the uh, nickel safety would now be doing what the wheel and the nickel safety did. So just in out kind of stuff and uh, creating doubles everywhere. So it's kind of one of those things that he likes to, that he likes to do a bunch of cuts and uh, just trying to get the ball back really. And he loves bringing pressure too. So uh, definitely with that defense, he'll, he'll bring a, as a a blitzer by the backer or whatever
0: in this league that that you're playing in is it is it one of those things where that you're able to carry a lot of checks into the game plan or do you have to stay fairly basic and you know maybe maybe stem some things or disguise things or how exotic are you able to get with it, especially with you know the the lack of time that you guys have had to get all this stuff in
1: yeah, so I mean, uniquely, last week we actually had checks for every single play. So it was it was wherever the back back was or uh, back was in pistol or dot. You know, it was, a, it was a blitz coming from both sides. The back was offset, and they were in the shotgun. It was a different blitz. So it was one of those things that you really didn't know what you're running until until the play was set up. You know, yeah. and that was that was one of our calls. Uh, that had all those different things then you could run your normal stuff like cover one cover four type stuff that would go against everything uh then you obviously have but you obviously have empty checks stuff stuff along those lines but with the short clock you don't see much motion so yeah yeah uh, with the 22nd clock you don't see much receiver motion all, all the way across and motion back stuff like that so it's mainly tight end, tight end trades and tight end motions that uh, you see uh, in this league because the play clock is so fast.
0: Yeah, you know, I didn't even think about that, but that's that's actually kind of nice. Um, you know, not, not having a, a you know a lot of the motions and stuff because that's really what creates headaches for you, uh, for especially sure. as a coordinator. And then as you, as, as someone who's calling the defense and trying to get everybody set up and and those guys going in motion and what kind of motion is it and and all those things let's talk about you specifically now. So when I've I've watched, you know, both of your games now and I find myself like, I don't know, maybe like, like your dad, probably how how he watches your games. Like I'm watching you. (laughs) So I told, I was talking to to Darby today. I was like, you know, honestly, I really don't know what anybody else is doing because I just find myself watching walker, like as if I were coaching him up in the box or something, you know? So uh, if I'm watching you take me through, like when, when uh, you get the call, you, you, you get the defense set up. Now what's like, Put, let, help me see it through your eyes. Like, What are you reading? What are your keys? What are some things that you're doing? If, they, you know, if they're running the ball, if they're, if they're throwing the ball, walk us through that.
1: I, I go through a bunch of stuff. So I get the call, tell the, tell the uh, D lineman and secondary what, what the play is real quick, and then I try to get the formation lined up. And then what goes through my head is the film that I watched all week. So it's like, hey, what are they normally like during this? Uh, boom, get that through my head. Is there any checks out? Okay, I guess before the film stuff, I see if there's any checks and things like that that I need to uh, say now, slants that I need to get to the line if they're in a certain offense or anything like that. Boom, that's gone. I think about uh, what play they could be running. Okay, that's gone. I get ready to play. I'm looking I'm mainly mainly looking at the running back. It kind of depends where he's at and what kind of down it is. I guess if it's first down, I'm mainly looking at the running back do the guard to see. So I take my reach step off the running back, fill a guard pull. I'll, I'll insert where I need to insert. Uh, no guard pull. I just uh, stay with my gap that I'm in. But then third down, and I, I don't really look at the kind of look at the down lineman because high hat, you know, you see, see pass run pretty quick out of that. So yeah. uh, do all that stuff. And, but, you know, I, I love being able to, Uh, run the defense and be able to tell the guys uh, make sure everybody's on on schedule and make sure everybody's uh, doing the right things for sure.
0: I remember when I uh, after I'd been coaching for a couple years, I I would always think like, man, I wish I could I could take this knowledge that I have now and go back and play because you realize how much as as a player, how little you knew about what was going on. Like I knew my responsibility, my job, maybe a few of the things behind me and and around me, but as far as seeing big picture stuff and just technique, I mean, I always thought, like, man, I'd love to go back and play now with the knowledge that, that I have. Now, here's the thing with me. I still wouldn't have been able to play, but I'm just curious now that you've had a chance to coach and see it from that perspective and watch film and, and you know, you're in the box for us and so you're able to see things from that point of view and that perspective and coach kids up. How has that changed your perspective uh, as, a, as a player?
1: Yeah, my perspective on the game has like it hasn't really changed uh, through coaching and thing because it's still still ultimately a chess match to me, you know. uh, When I was a coach, uh, you know, I was just trying to figure out how to get one more guy in coverage, how to get one more guy uh, guy in the routes to create – or one more guy in in coverage uh, to outmatch the guys that are running routes or get one more guy in the run fits that were uh, free. I guess I wasn't really doing that. Fuller was mainly doing that but it helped me with that kind of thing. But that's brought me to help now is because when I do watch film, I'm like, hey, what can we do, you know, to get one more guy and these kind of things. So, like, I didn't look at it like that when I, when I was playing before I started coaching, but now I am looking at it like that. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things, like when you're a player, you know, you get those tips and those study guides going into the week of practice and not really even knowing why you're doing it, but besides your coach telling you, you know, Got to do it because I, I kind of studied all this and did it. But now, being on the other side of it and coaching, I understand why coaching, like the coaching, has helped me understand why you do those certain things, why you why you make adjustments, why uh, the offense is doing some or certain things, right and those things. So that's yeah. definitely helped me as a yeah. player coming in here. It's helped me mentally and uh, helped me ultimately in the in the film room for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that it would definitely give you some awareness as a player like, man, I hate coaching that guy on the team, you know, the the guy that's uncoachable or the guy that just, you know, is lazy. So I can't be that guy because now then I'll be a hypocrite, right? Like, how can I go back and coach my kids not to be that guy when I'm that guy as a player? So I I can imagine that you kind of see yourself as both. Uh, from both yeah. sides, so I got a two-part question for you. So you already kind of mentioned this when you when you talk when you were talking about Coach Glanville earlier. But uh, first of all, what's one thing or maybe a couple things that you got from being a coach this year uh, at Pleasant Grove that you can point to has specifically helped you as, as you know as now as a football player uh, in the XFL?
1: Definitely the film study and the knowledge of what an offense is trying to do to the defense i mean how much fuller would break down those games and and those types of things and us going in sunday mornings and and talking about like hey they like to do this so what can we do to take away that stuff and i've learned a lot from jerry too uh with that kind of stuff he's he talks to me a lot about why we do why we run certain stuff against offenses and you know it's really helping me like tie them all together about all the defensive coaches like why they do certain things and you know i'm really grateful for it because it's it came at a right time you know to uh, be able to understand all that stuff and uh, take it onto the field with me
0: okay and so now let's let's reverse that and say okay one day when you're done playing and you're looking back at your as your time uh, playing now in the xfl what's one thing that you've picked up as a, as a player now that you're going to take back with you and apply as a as a coach when you start coaching again whenever that time comes
1: I feel like definitely the building relationships with, with the players, you know, I, I don't know if I, I think, I think I did well when I was there, but I think, I think I could have did more seeing all you guys, you know, the, the relationships that you guys build with the players and me having this relationship with Jerry is, is definitely awesome, you know, and it's definitely made, it makes you want to, you know, grind, grind every day and play even harder, you know, and, I feel like I did create relationships, but even more, you know, it's just like continue to build relationships with the players. And because uh, ultimately that's all that matters at the end of the day is they'll play for you way harder than, than you can even imagine, you know, if, yeah. if you do build those relationships. So uh, I feel like that would be the main, main thing.
0: You know, that's interesting because that's not something I would have expected you to say because, you know, you think of professional football, you think of it's a business. And you yeah. know you're just kind of uh, you're a commodity. You know what can you do to help us help us win, help us to be successful? And, and so that's that's awesome that you're in a place where you can have such a great relationship with your coach. And and that you know that's what you're gonna pull from from your time there. And that's awesome because you're right. It is about relationships. And and you, you know you did do it. You did a great job of that. I'm telling you, there's a bunch of middle school kids who are missing some some Coach Waka. Uh, over at, at, the, at the middle school and during the periods, uh, when we're over there. It's just not the same, you know. Co- Co- Darby and I are trying to pick up the slack, but uh, you know, it's not the same without you, without you, without you there. Okay, uh, let, talk to me about this. So, uh, every one of those guys in, in your locker room and the other teams' locker rooms that are playing uh, in the XFL right now, I'm sure, have a, an ultimate goal of, of hanging either hanging around in that league as long as they can, or. Even getting the call up to the, to the NFL. So, uh, what is what is your ultimate goal as a player, and has that changed any after being in this new league?
1: I mean, I would say my ultimate goal is still to try to to try to play in the NFL. I mean, that's I feel like that's every kid's dream that wants to play play at the next level of football. So, that'd be my ultimate goal. But it, I mean, if that doesn't happen, then I would be content with playing in the XFL because of how much they've done. But I definitely also want to come back and. Coach and uh, do those things. So if Gibson allows me to do that again, but uh, we'll see. But I definitely would like to do that. And uh, if the NFL doesn't work out, I would definitely love to uh, come back and play in the XFL. It's definitely I'm having the most fun I've probably ever had playing. Or I mean, in college in college and high school I've had a lot of fun. But after that, I uh, didn't really have that much fun, you know. And the loves came back, and it's uh, it's an awesome feeling, you know. So to be able to play and. I'm just blessed to be here.
0: Okay, another two-part question for you. So uh, you, you've you've been with the Vipers now for uh, for three games, uh, all through training camp. What's been the most memorable moment of your time with that organization? And just being in the XFL in general, what's been your most memorable moment so far?
1: I would say being able to get my first start at a linebacker in, in professional football when we played in New York. And I know we ended up losing that game, but – being able to get my first start in New York at MetLife Stadium, it was really an amazing moment for me. Sat there and thought about it for a while after the fact, and uh, I was just like, wow, I'm, I'm truly uh, thankful for this opportunity that's been presented to me, and it was amazing. It was an amazing moment, and I'd say it's probably my most memorable, for sure.
0: So it's been a pretty uh, a pretty sweet year for you, football-wise and, and, and life in general. You know, you're, you're recently engaged and and going to be getting married soon. And, you know, you're playing professional football and also the team that you coached for this year, your alma mater, to boot a one-state championship. When you look back on this past season as a coach, what are some things, some highlights that you're going to remember and take away from this year?
1: I think, I mean, like I, th- I talked about a little bit earlier, but that was mainly with the players about building relationships. But the, the relationships we did build with coaching and uh, stuff that will never be broke, you know, is uh, – it was those things, all the funny moments that me, you, and Darby and Peyton and Fuller and Morris and Allen all had. Defensive room, it, it was it was awesome. You know, it was it was one of the things that you'll never forget. And I never expected it to be like that. And those are usually the best moments. You know, when you don't expect anything. Yeah. Uh, out of to come out of it, and the relationships that we all built together definitely will never be broken. Uh, I'm excited to be able to hopefully be able to work work with y'all again. and in the future. And definitely it was an awesome moment. I can't wait for the future for it.
0: Yeah. You know, and I'll be honest when uh, I remember them telling me, you know, because I, I got, this was my first year uh, at PG also. And I remember them telling me that, that you were coming on board and I thought, Oh, that's cool. You know? And I, I kind of expected, so don't hate me here, but I kind of expected, you know, like you to be like this guy, like, you know, hey, I'm coming back. I'm a hometown hero. Like I'm I'm coming back to coach at my alma mater just for a few months till I get drafted and so, you know, don't ask me to Coach up seventh grade B team because I'm too good for that. And like, <laughs> I'm just going to strut around with like my, all my gear on, all this stuff. And I, and I, and, and by the way, we hadn't even mentioned this yet. And, but, but, you know, you know, knowing who your brother is, Michael Walker, now a pitcher for the, the Mets. So, you you know, your family's a big deal in, in Texas, Canada. So I kind of expected you to be like that. And, but, but, I mean, from like the f- day one, when we're, we're sitting in like new teacher in service. And then we're, we're kind of, we were kind of both in the same boat as far as we're trying to learn the defense we're trying to get our get our bearings as far as just being in this new situation and from the from day one you jumped right in man and you were working and and the kids loved you and you you did a great job of building relationships and 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 uh, just showing up and, and having a great attitude all the time and and so I think that's what made it work because you know it was a unique situation we knew that you could be gone towards the end of the year and uh but because you did such a great job of working and being so positive and 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 really immersing yourself into the staff and into the program, I think that's what made it work, and that's what made it so much fun.
1: Yeah, it was it was an amazing time, and I mean, a lot of people don't realize. I mean, that the heartbreaking when I when I figured out I had to leave uh, early, you know, yeah. uh, after the four weeks was, I mean, one of the worst and, and best phone calls, you know, at the same time. And yeah, like yeah. I'm leaving the relationships I built to go onto a journey that I have no idea what's going to happen. You know, So yeah. it's like. Is one of those things, and I was blessed to be able to come back and uh, for the state game and be able to hang out and uh, with you guys like nothing, like I never left, you know. So it was, yeah. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun and, and definitely a unique year, but also also a very fun year for I know for you and for me and, and for all of us on on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. Uh, just a really great year. So, all right, enough with the uh, the mushy stuff. Let's we'll, we'll get you out of here. <laughs> <laughs> on this one we got a game to uh to look ahead to so uh you guys are playing dc the dc defenders i think that's right this this week yep. and and everybody has heard of their quarterback uh, Cardell jones you know from ohio state uh, he was the third string quarterback a few years ago who ended up starting in the in the their, their playoff games and, and won them a, a national championship so I, i'm sure that that's got to be a little bit I don't know, intimidating is the right word, but maybe definitely get your attention when you play someone like that. So I know you haven't had a chance to look at much film yet or anything like that, think about those guys much, but just off the cuff, what do you, what do you think about those guys and what are you all going to have to do to, to be successful against them?
1: Yeah, you know, from from a defensive point for me, watching their offense, they they have, a, they have like you said, Cardell Jones, uh, a lot of people know him, 12-gauge. He's, uh, he's a pretty good player. He's won the national championship went to the NFL, played for a couple of years and ended up coming to the XFL like a lot of, a lot of us have. And, uh, he, he's dynamic. He can throw. Everybody knows that he has a freaking cannon back there and can, can launch it whenever he, whenever he wants. But he also can run with his legs. He's not a slow guy. He's, he's a big guy, but he's also not a slow guy. He's kind of, kind of like big Ben the way, the way he shucks people off at the line of scrimmages. It's hard to bring down and, uh, they have a really good defense too. From watching their defense, of um, me watching other offenses when we played it, we watched their defense a little bit, and they create takeaways all the time. So uh, they're a stingy defense. So it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good game, and it's gonna be a hard fought game. Uh, luckily, we're at home for our second one, so it's uh, we're excited to be able to go out there again in Tampa and uh, be able to show what we got.
0: Well, yeah, and Walker, let's cut the crap, dude. We all know we're gonna be—it's it's you versus him, man. And you know, we did all <laughs> this—we did all this tackling with these middle school kids in the morning this this past season, and talked about hey, because when we knew you got drafted by the Vipers, we talked about you know everybody we want to be Vipers when we tackle, not little grass snakes. And and yeah. you know, remember if if a kid you know if he arm tackled, we'd all you know we'd all point at him say arm tackle alert. And maybe I shouldn't be sharing this with with people because. I don't know if that's actually, you know, uh, textbook uh, coaching. But anyway, I just got to tell you, man. Hey, if, if he stiff arms you, you can just you can, I, you can just know that we're going to be pointing at the TV screen, yelling "arm tackle alert" at you, and don't be a aggressive, yeah, Walker. So
1: it, it, it only motivates you. you okay, it's, it's as, one of those things that we, we that's how we motivate the kid. All right,
0: so. all right. Well, as long <laughs> as you understand that, but then also you know too, when you the first time you lay him out, that you know we're going to be jumping up and down and and spilling yeah. our popcorn everywhere too. So. No man in all seriousness, man we are we are pulling for you and so happy for you and proud of you and it is it is kind of surreal watching you um, on TV and and, and uh, I'm so happy for you that you're getting this experience and getting this opportunity and, and just want to wish you the best of luck the rest of this season and and again, like you mentioned hopefully we get to coach together again but I know also that means that you wouldn't be playing football or you know who knows how that's going to work and what's going to happen but definitely hope we get to uh, get to work together again.
1: For sure, I appreciate you having me on here. It was, it was awesome. I feel like I definitely covered a lot of stuff, and it was amazing to be able to be on here finally and be able to see what, see what everybody's been talking about.
0: All right, man. Well, good luck. Go uh, go get some rest, and, and we'll be talking with you soon, Waka. I really appreciate Waka taking time out of his week to talk with me. I love being able to catch up with him. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at Lucas underscore Waka 12. That's at L-U-C-A-S underscore WACA, which is W-A-C-H-A-12. You can also find that information uh, in our show notes as well. Uh, But also be sure to catch the Vipers this Sunday night at 6 p.m. on ESPN2 as they take on the D.C. Defenders at home at Raymond James Stadium. Also remember to follow our show on Twitter, at KYPD Podcast, and please give us a five-star rating and leave us a review and help us spread the word about this podcast. Our quote of the day is this, The heart of leadership is making other people better. And that will do it for this episode of Keep Your Pads Down. Check back with us next week for episode number 49, where we talk with another high school coach whose team won a state title in 2019. Until then, have a great week, and you know what? I'm going to get Walker to help me out with this this last part. Walker, go ahead and tell them what they better do.
1: Keep your pads down. Let's go.